Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Jaguar, the art of performance. To learn more about the all-new Jaguar XE, visit jaguarusa.com. I need sports to have to clear the room. Stand up and walk. Now. Hello and welcome to The Watch Re-Up. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor for TheRinger.com and joining me on the other line, he wrote the book on Femme to Sell. It's Andy Greenwald! I'm sitting right across from you. I'm not on the other line Sometimes, anymore. like, it just feels like that should be what I say. You know what I mean? You were saying that for four plus years. It's true. We have a lot of, a lot of podcast hours on the, on the odometer. Well, but Podometer. on the line. Yeah. And now I'm right here. Right in the studio. I'm sorry, Andy. I'm it's still okay, getting Chris. used to it. It's kind of a bumpy start this, for this re-up, <laughs> but we'll get through uh, it. Andy, we're going to do Stranger Things Season 2 news coming out. We're yeah. going to hit that really quickly. And then, of course, we're going to talk about last night's episode of Mr. Robot mm-hmm. and the season premiere, third season premiere mm-hmm. of, uh, of You're the Worst. It's TV season. So we're doing a quick pod today. Re-up style, and then we're gonna um, we're gonna have another short pod next week, next Tuesday after Labor Day weekend. Yeah, that's talking about um, a show that has quickly become incredibly special to us, which is uh, Atlanta. FX's Atlanta, starring and created by Donald Glover. Yeah, I feel like people are feeling maybe they're feeling a little melancholy as we head into the last weekend of summer. Don't be. Don't be, because the day after Labor Day, yes. your new favorite show premieres. Yes. Let's talk quickly about what was many people's favorite show of the summer, which mm-hmm. is Stranger Things. Uh, for a while there, it seemed like this was a limited series. Maybe it would be an anthology series. Oh, they would no. investigate Stephen King-like phenomena in different towns at different times. Nope. These dudes all became memes, and they're all coming back. Uh, Stranger Things Season 2 has been announced for 2017. Yeah. It will pick up shortly after the first season. Yeah. Of co- apparently, this has come out. And uh, add a couple of characters. They've released the titles for all the uh, all episodes. All nine episodes. And the first cool is, is Mad Max, so we can see that we're still mining 80s pop culture. Is like a thing that, that these guys are going to be, it's going to be a major influence in the show. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me say something here. Okay. I feel like I've been in Hollywood long enough to really help peel back the curtain. You know sure. what I mean? Like really <laughs> let people in Joining on how... Joining me on the other line. I'm just saying, like, how the biz really works. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, just consider my voice Robert Evans' deep plush So couch. this is not Hollywood fixer. This is more like Hollywood curtain minder. I'm just letting you know what's going on. I'm okay. Danny DeVito in LA Confidential. This is Hush Hush. <laughs> okay. What I want you, that's not accurate. <laughs> This second season has been in the works since before the first season debuted. I mean, the thing that I think we're still, the way we cover TV is still trapped in a pre-streaming, pre-peak TV mindset, Mm -hmm. which is that we're going to put this out there with our blood, sweat, and tears, and we're either going to hope it does well enough for it to come back, or we're going to be operating on a network model where we'll make the decision in the spring. Sure. Those days are long gone. Right. To keep the content pipeline flowing, these services basically have to employ their writers' rooms, their production designers, their cast under contract, basically throughout the year. They've also got the uh, the slightly volatile uh, other element of kids get old. Well, right. They probably they got to they gotta get these, these they, gotta they gotta get these kids back in uh, in the minds. Millie man. Bobby Brown is only memeable for well, but up four point five more years. Well, no, but it's just like kids are gonna hit puberty. Kids are gonna like get th- six inches it's, taller. It's People a great are gonna point. Be different. Because if there's one thing that '80s movies never talked about was kids going through puberty and how awkward that was. <laughs> so they gotta get in all their stories before. Everybody that. knows Chunk from Goonie had a huge growth spurt. You nailed it. Yeah, yeah he, became, he became lean. He, he was, was basically the. Uh, <laughs> he was he was the the base for Jack Sigma. So what I wanted to say was 
this is this is not a surprise. Yes. The Duffer Brothers doing all their interviews for season one. Obviously, they had to have been surprised by the enormous success mm -hmm. of the show. But this was in the works for a long time. Otherwise, there is no way in hell they would have been able to get this on the air in 2017, which is essential for Netflix's plan and business model and et cetera. Okay. But what I wanted to say was, I love the fact that they announced the episode titles. This is it's usually dope. not done. Like episode titles are usually throwaways, or they follow a certain pattern. Like remember, every Friends episode was the one the, with the, the one whatever. About, yeah. I love that they take this really seriously. That they display them on. Grey's screen. Anatomy does song titles. Still. I think so. I don't think there are 200 songs. <laughs> I've never heard that many songs. That's crazy. That would be funny if they were like Slayer's Angel of Death. Is, Look, actually, that would be a good that would Grey's be Anatomy. Grey's Anatomy, I'm, someone can, maybe Isabella can check my math here. Grey's Anatomy has been on the air uninterrupted since 1991. <laughs> I mean, that is a lot of song titles for them to use while killing doctors and plane crashes. But, spoiler, sorry, <laughs> but what I wanted to say was, before we move on, it's so dope that they care about the episode titles this much yeah. because I think anyone who has ever um, dabbled in fiction or dabbled in making mixtapes, writing out the mixtapes or writing out chapter Having titles, a theme, yeah, for sure, half the fun, yeah, and it just it it continues even though they haven't filmed anything yet, even though we won't see anything for over a year, it continues the good vibes that imbued this whole project, and I'm psyched. Uh, one thing I will keep a very sharp eye on is to what extent popular culture and social media influence the creative uh, the creative process. Do we get Barb back? <laughs> what about Barb though? What about what about Barb though? Cuz that's what everybody is actually asking. We you and I we might be asking what about Buono though, but what about Barb? Buono is caking up in the off season. She really is. What is she <laughs> You think Buono's caking up? You think she goes in and she's like I need a the you, you, I need Buono to get a bonus. A, a bonus. Do you think that? Bo I need a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she's caking up because I think we established in an earlier podcast. By the way, everything we say on this podcast is Buono canon. Yeah. Uh, I believe we established that she is married to a water magnate, and not magnet like he tracks water, like M A G N A T E, like a guy that like founded one of these charity water companies. Really? So she everything she has is liquid. Is what I'm saying. That's very very funny. Yeah. Let's move on to Mr. Robot because we are we are trying to keep it keep it moving today. Last night's episode um, was very it was it was it was a little bit disorienting because I got the feeling like I was seeing something very important when there starts to be basically a glitch in Elliot Mr. Yeah. Robot's relationship. But I I'm not quite sure if I could put my finger on if I could if somebody was like please explain what happened on Mr. Robot last night. I think I would have a little bit of a hard time doing it. That being said, I do feel like my weird Hail Mary theory from a week or two ago that I still feel like there is another shoe to drop with the Christian Slater character yeah. and that Elliot could be a program of some sort or that yeah. Elliot himself is hackable. That's still in play. I still like myself. I loved the glitch. I loved that. I mean, yeah. first of all, I want to say I thought this was the best episode of the season running away. Okay. I, mean, I thought the ALF stuff was the most outlandish, most funny, most creative thing on, uh, of the season thus far. I thought this was the best episode of the season, purely as an episode of TV. I thought it was, it was really entertaining, it was really gripping, and it, you know, conspiracy paranoia thrillers are dope. Mm -hmm. This entire, oh, let, let's take a step back here. We got our protagonist back, and even if he's glitching out, yeah. he is now part of the action again. And once he's back in the fold, I care again, we care again. Right. And once he's back in the fold, suddenly the show begins to come into focus in what, what's going on, which is this group of, hackers 
Um, outcast hackers thought they changed the world, but they were pawns in a much bigger game that they don't understand. Now they're being hunted by all sides. Once we are back in their heads, being like, we know we did this, we don't know what's going on, it's okay for the audience, I think, to feel like we don't know what's going on between White Rose and Philip Price and, and who's who with the Do FBI. Do you understand what phase him. two is? I don't understand what a femme to sell is. I gotta be honest yeah. with you. I've been watching. I Googled that last night, and as I was Googling it, I was like, is this appropriate? Like, not actually because it was like sounds like it's like a porn genre, where a but woman because turns, where a woman turns into a mobile device. But it's it, because it was. Uh, just, I didn't want to get hacked. First of all, you were definitely hacked, <laughs> and I really, I think that you've made some interesting orders recently. Yeah. From um, femtocell.org. Femtocelllawngnomes.biz. <laughs> um, I, I so I, I just thought in terms of like reshaping things, putting us back into the basically putting us back into the narrative that we are comfortable with made a lot of sense. Yeah, but you, I, you're skipping my question. What is we, phase two? We don't know. Okay. I mean, phase two is phase two of the great uh, five nine hack. Like basically, what they're going to do to the global. Economic, okay. global financial system. Okay. We now know White Rose Which cared, is his idea. Which apparently is his idea. Yeah. Um, we also know that White Rose was essentially, really, really cares about the nuclear plant that killed, that, that messed up all their lives, that killed Angela's mother. Um, so that is a specific thing of interest. I, I think a couple things. Back to the conspiracy thing. It's such, the filmmaking is of such a high level this year that it's really entertaining, especially with Portia Doubleday as the lead of these scenes, because she, you know, the way she is putting on this Ice Queen act, but she is so fragile, her face is so fragile mm -hmm. in all these scenes. The scene when she went to the FBI led to one of my favorite. I wish everyone bit this scene from pop culture. It led to when she's walking down the hallway. That was a classic. Karen, where you going, Karen? The coats are right down here, Karen. Where you going, the coats, yeah. Karen? The great, one of the great Goodfellas scenes. Yeah. Shot in, shot in beautiful, uh, right near where you used to live, right where uh, Carol Gardens becomes Red Hook. I yeah, yeah. That was shot by Smith and Ninth. Um, that is, that's just gold. That is always going to be gold. Scenes like that. Um, so I really, really enjoyed the setup. I like the momentum back on the show. I think it's kind of interesting to to, to think about the season as a whole now what we now know, what we've been through. Mm -hmm. um, and wonder, you know, one of the things that I was pushing for when I was trying to preach patience with the season was that it did not seem to be designed this year to be digested week to week. This was a particularly good weekly mm -hmm. bite. But now that we've been through all those episodes and we're not playing chess in his head anymore, the payoff of what happened, you know, the basically like I'm filling you in on what happened montage, was just incredible filmmaking. It was awesome. That was very cool. Joy Badass was great. So here's one thing it about... Was it worth it, was what I was going to ask you. Well, I, I, so here's the thing that... that it's, not, it's not at all a problem. It's just there's two different types of... There's two different ways of, of having a mystery in a show. There's a mystery that is a mystery to the character, and there's a mystery yeah. that's a mystery to the audience. And yeah. sometimes those two things can unite, and sometimes they stay separate. But I think that... This, this show does dabble in both. And sometimes that can be a little bit confounding or frustrating, and sometimes it can be absolutely uh, enriching. Like, you just feel like you're so locked in. So having us not be able to hear what Darlene says to him when he walks out of prison was a little bit of sleight of hand. The it's lost like, in translation moment. Yeah, and all these, like, what who, shot, are, by the way. who oh, are man. at the doors, you know, like, everybody, like, there's the, the motif of someone knocking at the door mm -hmm. and not knowing who's there is, like, keeps coming up. 
But then there are things that are mysterious, like Elliot not understanding how he can be in the bathroom and also be in the living room at the same time, that are actually mysteries to the characters. And those those are kind of the more interesting mysteries to me, I think, at this point in the run. But it's it's interesting to watch him balance those two things. All all of long form storytelling is a balancing act, and you know it's a question of the creators having the right amount of patience for the reveals or mm -hmm. the, for the story you want to tell. And often when you look at a season like this, it's not hard to take a step back and think about the creation of it and think about you know, the conversations that were going on in the room about when to reveal certain things and what the payoff would be, and also maybe misjudging what the audience would enjoy and not enjoy. Mm -hmm. Meaning, you know, there had to have been a number of conversations about maybe he's been, maybe we've kept this going too long, maybe we need to reveal where Elliot really is, maybe we need to free him back into the main plot. And someone saying, no, you know, I think what we have happening with, um, with, with Dom, with Angela, with Darlene is worth it. I think this is just as equal, this is entertaining and it's going to pay off in the end. I think that the ratios were off. Yeah. I think that probably we should have, this should have been revealed earlier to get the momentum going. But I, I, I do feel that, and I still, I mean, I'm, obviously I'm still a true believer, but I, I think that when we look back on the hopefully long run of the show, this will the, the frustration that people had with the first six weeks yeah. of the second season are kind of a blip. No, I, I'm fascinated by it. I'm also fascinated by the fact that there is no Battle of the Bastards coming. There is no Walter versus Gus. A lot of times in seasons, you kind of, you know where you're going to get to in eight episodes or ten episodes. You know, because yeah. they set it up so well, obviously. Yeah, well, the first season of Mr. Robot was set up for the hack. We were all, right. we were headed towards one thing. Right, but I don't know what where we're going, and that's very exciting. Uh, I do have one complaint, though. I need I would just feel really remiss if I didn't yeah. med, red, register this. Is that apparently no one in prison has ever watched the Houston Rockets play because you're <laughs> clog in the middle, okay? There's yeah. no cutting off the ball. Yeah. Nobody's ever heard of pace and space and three and D yeah. running to the corners, yeah. stretching the court, and there's just very little. There's just no, there's no movement that you're used to seeing. What I'm saying is, you don't know how long those guys have been behind bars. It's they might true. not know about they the could revolution. Be like the Detroit Bad Boy Pistons are the last ones they've watched. That's what I'm saying. They yeah. might not have paid any attention to Euroleague. They may not understand <laughs> about bigs who could step out and shoot the three. I know. They don't know. To them, the Warriors are still a punchline. That would be amazing if Elliot was like, I, I just got to stop you for a second. Yeah. Be like, has anybody ever heard of a stretch four? This is what I'm saying. Have you guys never seen Chris Bosh play? I want to go out on a limb and say, I don't. I don't think Elliot's ever seen Chris Bosch play either. <laughs> but um, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm reading into it. Maybe Chris Bosch is into coding. Maybe Did you he's, know a big, that? He's, he's into co like wearing like no, writing code. Oh, I thought it like wearing elaborate coats. Code coding. That's nice. Yeah, yeah he's a, he's a big uh, big Game of Thrones fan. Is he? Chris Bosch and and Boardwalk Empire. We always say that like as if like we're like. Did you know that this person likes Game of Thrones? Yeah. You know what it's else like, he likes? Oxygen. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of makes him an outlier in the world. Before we stop talking about Mr. Robot, we'd be remiss, I think, if we didn't mention um, the very appropriate shout out. I think to one of the the, the giants of the television form, Mr. Paul Reiser. How did you feel about that? Were yeah, you, you know, it's been a it's been a whirlwind trip through uh, through sitcoms past on Mr. Robot this season. First of all, Mad About You <laughs> remains underrated. Do you think so? Yeah, I think I think it was a consistently entertaining show, but it was entertaining in a Was Will and Grace a Mad About You spin-off? No, it was just another must see TV show. Gotcha. Okay. Um, no, they never spun off the John Pankow's character. You know, I feel like that was really the one who was ripe. That was ripe. really ripe for... I just wanted to know more about what... Wasn't he Cousin Ira? What about Pankow, though? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine, though, like, the ultimate, like, 
just just irrational confidence move would have been like Warren Littlefield at NBC being like green. If he just greenlit Cousin Ira yeah. at 9 p.m. on Thursdays or 9:30 after Seinfeld, and still would have gotten 20 million viewers. Um, I gotta say, next week, Hacking Robot returns. Can oh, I, can I do promo on here? Uh, we're coming back live after the penultimate episode, but it's a little tricky. Yeah. There are three hours of Mr. Robot remaining. Okay. Because the finale is being split into two episodes. Okay. So Wednesday, September 7th, live after show. It's going to be me, Sam, Porsche, Bordo. Buono. I'm, Pan cow. I'm sneaking her in in the ALF costume. You guys are not ready for this. Why can't Buono be ALF, though? She's, she's fucking classically trained. I can't tell if we're like way too overcommitted to this. Like, this is the housing market for us. Like, like we're like, it's all about new developments in southwestern Florida. And we could get burned as hard <laughs> as the United States economy did. That is in no way hyperbolic. Um, Rami will be there. Uh, Christian will be there. And uh, Grace Gummer will be there. And uh, yeah, we're coming live from. What about Grace Gummer's uh, Amazon robot? I'm gonna, you know, I made a request, yeah. but the cross-branding issues kind of make it probably impossible. Okay. But also, Alf might might hump it. They're about the same okay, size. Okay. Well, let me know if you need a need me to draw up some Czar of the Telestrator plays to to illustrate. It would be amazing if we just like took a break from. Then you had like one of those walk-on basketball sets that they have. Like, <laughs> I NBA. just came out like Thibodeau with a polo <laughs> tucked into my track pants. You get a rip a tearaway <laughs> uh, hoodie. Anyway, yeah. Wednesday, please check us out, Hacking Robot, after Mr. Robot next week, and then there are two episodes after that. Very cool. Okay, let's take a quick break, and we will come back and talk about You're the Worst. Hey, guys, just want to tell you a little bit about our sponsor, Texture. Thanks to pizza, we are all binge eating. Thanks to Netflix, we are all binge watching. But now, with Texture, you can start binge reading. Trust me, it's about to be a thing. I recommend binge reading. It's great for your mind. It really is helpful. I recommend reading. Just, but if, if you want to binge read, is that kind of wild better. Or? Yeah. When it comes to magazines, you know what you like. And with Texture, you can get all the magazines you want in one super convenient place. Texture has completely reimagined magazines, giving you the articles and stories you really want all in one place, plus interactive features, videos, and recommendations just for you. I really like this app. I'm not just saying that. I feel like I've been wanting this app for a long time because it's right. It's like it's, it's the magazine stand in your hand. Yes, and you don't get in trouble for browsing. No, absolutely not. The Texture app lets you tap into the world's most popular magazines anytime, anywhere, using your smartphone or tablet. You can breeze through hundreds of your favorite magazines, including back issues, and pick articles that interest you the most. Texture is made it easy for to find articles you care about. And I don't just get to read New Yorker or GQ or Bon Appetit. You can read all sorts of stuff. Anything you want. Cat fancy, my dude. Anything you want. The Texture Editorial team recommends content for every day. Plus, you can dive deep into the personal collections. You can sign up for Texture right now and gain insider access for all the content to the world's best publications. The best part is Texture is offering our listeners a free trial right now when you go to texture.com watch. You'll gain immediate entry to all the top magazines, including back issues and bonus video content. Start binge reading for free right now when you go to texture.com watch. That's texture.com watch. Also want to tell you a little bit about Jaguar. We know it is a little rude to interrupt, but while we have your ear, let's have a brief conversation about manners. As the British like to say, manners maketh the man. So it's no wonder that Jaguar's first ever compact sports stand, the Jaguar XE, and their first ever performance SUV, the Jaguar F-Pace, are well-mannered. They both put you at ease the moment you enter, remain composed in almost any situation, and know when to make themselves heard. For the full Jaguar Guide to Manners, please visit jaguarusa.com. Thank you, Jaguar. The art of performance. You were talking a little bit about 
the balancing act of mm. television shows. All television shows are balancing acts. Mm. So are podcasts, if we're being <laughs> honest. <laughs> this one's teetering. Uh, season three of You're the Worst, which premiered last night on Wednesday. On FXX. On FXX. That's a real network, by That's the way. A, they, they have a balancing act of their own to, to handle. Yeah. Now, not only do they have to deal with the very complicated idea of having hideous people be funny mm -hmm. and, and, and engaging and, and you, creating a sense of audience empathy for, the, for, for characters, but they also are now ever so regularly like expanding the breadth of the show, mm -hmm. bringing in more and more characters and spend more and more time with those characters. I love the show. Mm -hmm. I find it very funny. One of the funniest comedies on TV. I kind of wish it wasn't. I kind of sometimes just wish it was just Gretchen and Jimmy, though. I kind of yeah. do. I do feel like sometimes I get it, it bugs me a little bit when shows go on in their seasons and the only answer to the extended length is let's just make it more about like these tertiary characters. They're all really good actors. They're all really funny people. But I do sometimes feel like I wish it was just more centrally about the couple. I mean, one of the things. TV shows, we said this earlier in the week, TV shows bend towards becoming TV shows. Yeah. And that is, you know, it's the same thing with Mr. Robot. The, the, the rest of the cast has to take on some of the burden, both um, creatively and to just physically spare the yeah. leads from having to carry well, all that weight. Well, you just burn through too many plot lines, wouldn't you? Right. I, I think that You're the Worst, I mean, the first season of You're the Worst, one of my favorite comedy seasons in recent memory, I think it is... What's so remarkable, remarkable about the show is obviously that the coverage often focuses on how bawdy the show is or how dirty and how much they drink or whatever. But Stephen Falk, who created it, and his writers never sell them out as people. There are always some emotional um, stakes to everything they do. There's always some humanity beneath the, 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 the dirty words and the morning whiskey. Mm -hmm. I think what he's doing, and I'm going to have a podcast with him at some point. We Hopefully we'll do something with, the, with that cast here on the watcher in some form, um, and we can talk about these things more explicitly, but I, I, the thing that I'm, I'm really thinking about with the show that I think is most impressive is I get the feeling that he knew, Stephen Falk knew that the first season that had everything we're talking about, but also the spark of falling in love with someone, because that's sure. what it was about, and you know, romantic sitcoms, romantic rom-coms are so engaging because we're falling in love with people falling in love, and that's why they usually don't have sequels, because they've already fallen in love, and then what? Um, I think he, he understood that that season was not repeatable. And so there was a choice to be made at that point. Either keep trying to repeat that, break them up, bring them back together, mm -hmm. break them up, bring them back together, which is a very you know, kind of dull and expected TV thing. Go in another direction, which is just make it bawdier and dirtier, steer into the headlines, basically. Or the third choice, which I think kind of hasn't been done, which is accept that you're never going to make that season again and go deeper and start and say, okay, if we care about these characters and we're not going to break them up when we accept that as canon, then what we're going to do is slowly start to dissect what makes them this way. Mm -hmm. And that was last year, Aya Cash was so tremendous as Gretchen, Gretchen's, as, Gretchen, as Gretchen was dealing with depression in a way that I think a lot of people talked about and they'd never seen it um, portrayed on television. This year we're going deeper and she's getting into therapy and um, other stuff's going on with Jimmy, won't spoil too far ahead in the season, but I think it's pretty unique. And, and, I, and, I, and I admire the fact that it is not trying to repeat the first season because that was unrepeatable. Yeah, and it's really, it, I mean, the way, you, the way you say it, when you put it that way, it's really, it makes a lot of sense. I just, uh, it's difficult to maintain a consistency of tone across that many characters, and maybe it's not that important. So that would bring us to, for anybody who's seen the first episode, a moment that I guess 
a fair amount of people have talked about on the internet uh, today, Thursday, which yeah. is that the end of this first episode. I only just got internet. Tell me about it. Well, the end of the first episode of You're the Worst ends with uh, Lindsay, Catherine Donnery's uh, character, yeah. stabbing her husband. Her husband yeah. in the side. It's great. Drawing blood. Yeah. Yeah. No problems. What? What? Tell me. What's the? Uh, what's the? What's just the like it's takes? like that's pretty fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was pretty great. Yeah. I mean, I I think that. Uh, there's there's something to be said. Like I, I again, I, I'm you know now that I'm a Hollywood insider, I'm gonna throw this out there. I would imagine that they were probably sitting in the room and they were like, you know, he's he's smothering her, she's dying. Like what can she do? And someone was like, she could just stab him. And everyone laughed and was like, no, seriously, what what could she do? And then someone was like, on this show, she could do that. And then right. what would happen? And having seen the next episode, it's dealt with in a pretty gnarly way. And I, I don't I don't think the the Lindsay Paul stuff is not my favorite part of the show by any measure. Right. But. I thought that was a pretty bold, wild, and kind of true to the character moment. I think what you're saying is probably correct, which is the balance of the first season was very delicate in that Gretchen and Jimmy were broad and, and body, as I said, but they were the normal ones where Edgar and Lindsay, the supporting characters, as often as the case of sitcoms, the supporting characters yeah. are more cartoony. Yeah. Last year, a lot of work was done to bring Edgar a little bit more into the fold. Sure. Lindsay remains in outer space right and that sometimes can throw things off but it does lead to that next week there's an incredible scene with Lindsay and Gretchen and uh, Samira Wiley from Orange is the New Black who makes her first appearance as Gretchen's new therapist so it's good having that third heat in there but I agree it's a tough balance yeah because it's like if you start something like Friends and it's like you're gonna have it be six people you kind of already have taught yourself how to watch that show mm -hmm. And different people can move into the center at different times. With this, I think it's so clearly about this unlove story mm -hmm. between the two people. And you're right. Like, how do you continue to maintain that level of intensity without just having them get together and break up and get together and break up and get together and break up? And also wouldn't, just keep it in the same setting of Tony Silver Lake. Wouldn't yeah. the ninth season of Friends have been better if Phoebe had just stabbed Joey? <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, what, like, what if? What, what, what did they have to lose yeah, at that point? Yeah, I guess you know, hundreds of millions of dollars that they already had. I mean, they had sure. that to lose. Sure. I just mean, it, it's, it's. But to be clear, like, were people like that's too far for this show? Like the politics of it, or it's just in terms of taking you out of a moment because people don't stab people. I think it was the latter. I don't think people were like, let's, the problem with you're the worst, because there was like a hundred other things you could point to to be like the problem. Yeah. These aren't good people. Like, right. they're Quote the unquote. worst. Yeah. Uh, I, and I also actually think that generally on, there's been a decrease in the like, let's take characters as literally as possible. Yes. And you're the worst is, it thumbs its nose at that all the time because you can't take them literally. I, I, they are they are playing with types and they are playing with behaviors in a way that's not necessarily true to life. Next week we're going to start talking about Atlanta on FX, and inevitably in that conversation there's going to be there's one of the themes to talk about is just how the half hour I still think more than ever is just much more um, interesting at this mm -hmm. moment in TV history, and it's much more capable of of reaching emotional depths and dramatic highs and et cetera et cetera, while still also being funny. You're the worst isn't exactly in that tradition. It's not sort of a baggy, it can be anything show, like Louie or like Atlanta yeah, or yeah. Man Seeking Woman um, or Girls or what it looks like Insecure is going to be. We haven't seen that yet. Um, 
You're the Worst is still, in many ways, a traditional sitcom. It comes from people who have written for comedies on other networks. What about Divorce, though? Well, <laughs> look, the Divorce pod we're going to do is just going to be hot fire. And if Sarah Jessica Parker doesn't fucking stab the dude from Wings right in the breastplate in hour one. Um, no, but it's interesting to see... it. It's interesting to see You're the Worst try to do some emotional stuff yeah. like it did with depression, but within the framework that it's chosen to put itself in. And naturally, that means it's going to be messier. Yeah. There are going to be things that don't work, and it's going to be sloppier. But when it hits those moments, or when the jokes work the way they work, like I think they did in last night's premiere, it's one of the best things on TV. Good. I can't think of a better way to end it. All right, let's wrap things up now. And uh, we will see you guys, talk to you guys next week for this very quick but very worthwhile pod on Atlanta. Yeah, you got to get ready to watch Atlanta. And I hope you all have... A really wonderful yeah, Labor Day. Day weekend. Happy Labor Day to you, big guy. Great job, Bono. Right. <laughs>